In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. This is a prayer in honor of Jesus, King of the universe. O Lord, our God, you alone are the most holy King and ruler of all nations. We pray to you, Lord, in the great expectation of receiving from you, O divine King, mercy, peace, justice, and all good things. Protect, O Lord, our King, our families, and the land of our birth. Guard us, we pray, most faithful one. Protect us from our enemies and from your just judgment. Forgive us, O sovereign King, our sins against you. Jesus, you are the King of mercy. We have deserved your just judgment. Have mercy on us, Lord, and forgive us. We trust in your great mercy. O most awe-inspiring King, we bow before you and pray. May your reign, your kingdom, be recognized on earth. Amen. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, O most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us. And after this, our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Saint Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The conference is entitled, Our Eucharistic Lord and Our Lady Answers for Our Times. We recognize, simply put, that the crisis is a crisis of faith. The crisis is a crisis of faith. That's the root of the problem. Even in the priesthood, the crisis is the crisis of faith. We need to have even greater faith and pray for faith. Now, we have to remember that faith pleases God, and without faith, you cannot please God. That's what we're told in sacred scripture. I want to go through some scriptures with you that will help you in whatever's going to come in your life and the lives of those you love and even in the lives of those who will oppose you.
1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For whoever is begotten by God conquers the world. And the victory that conquers the world is our faith. Now that's very important. The victory that conquers the world is our faith. That's from the beloved disciple, St. John. The world is a word that's used equivocally. Definitions are important. There's a lot of words that are equivocal. They can have two meanings and we can't be confused. We have to be clear as to what's being taught by truth himself. Jesus, who is God, who is truth, cannot deceive, and he cannot be deceived. But words such as truth, love, justice, peace, they're equivocal, and people are defining them in different ways. When you have discussions about the most important things, the meaning of life, the purpose and meaning of life, why we're here, where we're from, where we're going, you have to have clear terms. So even the world, you know, there's the famous scripture quote, sacred scripture, John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not die but she'll have eternal life. So God loves the world he created, but here we're talking about conquering the world. And so that's the fallen world where there's the spirit of the world that is our enemy. That's why you'll hear a lot of holy cardinals from Germany or even Pope Emeritus Benedict and Cardinal Mueller talking about the problem of the Zeitgeist. It's German, Zeitgeist. It means the spirit of the world. Some of you have heard of poltergeist, you know, like a ghost, right? Poltergeist. Geist is a spirit. Zeiter in German is time. So the spirit of the time. And some people will say, well, you just got to get with the times. Oh. <laughs> well, scripture tells me Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, today, and forever. Don't be swayed by any kind of strange teachings. <laughs> Follow the faith of your fathers, right? Jesus is eternal truth. Yes, we have to meet people where they are, but we need to get them where they need to get. So even dialogue is a word that's equivocal. People will say, well, let's dialogue. We should dialogue. That's a Catholic tradition. People should be able to have free speech and share ideas rationally, reasonably, logically, right? 
But for some people, dialogue is uh, just let's all just affirm each other. The affirmation society of affirmation can be good, but correction is also something that's good. And so we don't want to affirm people in their errors or sin. And the spirit of the world is, you know, we, we, we talked about the, the unholy trinity working through the spirit of the world. And so we have to remember, we are members of the kingdom of God. That's where our citizenship is. And this is one reason the world hates us. And I'll get to that passage from our Lord at the Last Supper saying the world will hate you because the Lord called you out of the world, even though you're in the world, you're not of the world, right? And you understand properly the world. You see, basically, here's, here's the point. We have chosen Jesus Christ as our king because we belong to the kingdom of God and that's our citizenship, right? But those in the world who want to make themselves kings, they don't like that. They'll say, I'm the king and you follow me. And I'm like, no, I already chose my king. He's the greatest king. And I'll die for my king. So have at it. <laughs> but I need to know what my king teaches, right? And put it into practice. And that's why prayer is so important because prayer basically, you know, is a, is a, is a loving relationship, a, a conversation between friends. And, and we learn from Our Lady, you know, to, to listen, ponder, treasure. I'm not going to inform my king of anything he doesn't know. So I just want to learn from him and be a disciple. And he's such a great teacher, the divine teacher. He, can, he actually can give you grace to help you understand, to enlighten you, to understand the very teaching he's giving. No other teacher can do that. <laughs> Only the divine teacher can do that. Wow. But the victory that conquers the world is our faith. The world will never understand that. Please, I'm sharing some things with you during this retreat as, as if this might be the last time I ever see you. I am not trying to make any implication of the direction of, of, of where, where things are going. I'm just saying I, I approach things now as if today is the last day of my life. Some of you might smile and say you're still young, but this year I turned 59 years old. And I, for whatever reason, it's clear to me that I'm closer to the tomb than I am to the womb. Praise the Lord. So, you know, I, it really does. You just get to a point where, you know, you're in the moment and, and I have what I have. I have the strength I have now. That's all I have. And, you know, uh, is there so many blessings with, uh, you know, moving along in life and, and you, you just can't accept things. Uh, but also, we should have an, enough of a solid 
foundation on the rock, Jesus Christ, and a deep enough of a relationship strengthened by the Eucharist and living the teachings of Jesus Christ and having a relationship with Our Lady through prayer, that the Word of God has become a part of us. I, I can just share it this way. When I pray the Word of God, I believe it becomes a part of me. I don't know how. It just does. I know what I know because I know what I know. That's why Lexio Divina or praying with the Word of God is so important. And tomorrow I'll talk to you or share with you about an easy method of Lexio Divina that you actually find is in the Mass. The Mass is actually a prayer. We know that. But you have the readings, which is the Lexio. And then you have the homily, which should be the meditation, helping you find the meaning, the treasure in the reading. And then you have the prayer, which are the intercessions at the Mass and the whole Eucharistic prayer. That's the oratio, the prayer. And then you have the contemplation. When the Lord comes to you in communion, you didn't do anything to make the Lord come to you in communion. But if you're disposed, now you're in that contemplation, contemplatio. So actually in the Mass, you have Lexio, which is the reading, the readings. You have the meditatio, the meditation, hopefully from the homily. And then you have the oratio, the prayer, which is invocations. That's where you're knocking at the, at the door of God saying, I want to be like you, God. Whenever I read the word of God and, and I come to know God better, I, it, the Holy Spirit moves me to say, I want to be like you. There's, there's a thing called the via affectiva, the way of affective love. Love unites. Love unites people. Love unites you with God. There's a unitive love. Love makes the one who's loved like the lover. Okay? God is the infinite lover. And if you open yourself up to that love affair, spoken to you in the word and given to you in the Eucharist freely, it'll make you more like the one you love. And his word gives life. It's spirit and life. The word of God is different than any other word. It's a life-giving word. The word is the second person, the Trinity, and the Holy Spirit brings you that word and helps you understand the word. So the word is powerful, but you need to pray it and then you know, stop, pause, and try to make it a part of you. And the more you learn about God, the more you're going to be in love with him. When I'm in my best prayer, I'm like, I want to be like you. I want to be kind. Lord, help me be kind. Now, I, I, I also find when I'm in prayer before the Lord in the Eucharist uh, and I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh, yes, and I'm going to be kind forever. So kind, just like you, Lord. Well, this is where you need to make a resolution from your prayer as well and live it. That's where you take your meditation into your life, your resolution. You need to make a resolution. That's what St. Francis de Sales says, because you can think you actually have what, you, what you've read. You know, I'm going to be kind but you make the resolution all day, I'm going to be kind and 
you know what kind of day that's going to be. It's going to be a good day, but you're going to get many opportunities to be kind. Okay. Now, let me clarify even the word kindness, because that's a big word, you know, always, you know, this person's, they're kind, they're kind. If they give me $100, they're kind. Well, <laughs> maybe. Kind means to be of the same kind. Kindness, when a word ends in ness, N-E-S-S, it means to be like, okay, to be of the same mind, the same heart. Kindness. Jesus is kindness embodied it's amazing he looks at us as the same kind as him you could meditate that on that for the rest of your life the god man looks at us as the same kind as him the distance between me and a worm is less than the distance between myself and god Kindness, gentleness, compassion, mercy, power, wisdom, strength, all the virtues, but ultimately imitating Christ. That, 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 that's the way of a disciple, imitation of Christ in everything. Do I think the way Jesus thinks? Do I love the way Jesus loves? Do I love who Jesus loves and trust that those who Jesus tells me to love, he's going to give me the grace to love? That's how St. Therese looked at it. Okay, you gave me the commandment, so you're going to give me the ability. But on a natural level, I can't just, you know, love that person the way Jesus loves. He says, love each other as I have loved you. Wow. Okay, the word of God. The victory that conquers the world is our faith. Remember, it's the crisis of faith that we're facing right now because there's the zeitgeist, the spirit of the world, that's trying to get us just locked into the world, not, not, to, not to live in supernatural realities, but only in the nature, only in the natural things we can prove through science and the, and the things we see. But remember, Scripture tells us we walk by faith, not by sight. And I'll share this with you, the faithful who have probably grown in the spiritual life a little bit more deeply. I like to share with people... We walk by faith, not by flesh. Even in the spiritual life, you can still be fleshly. What do I mean by that? If you're always seeking consolations, you know what consolations are, right? Ice cream cones. Obviously, I keep referring to one of my weaknesses, my my kryptonite ice cream, but it's not about consolations. God gives consolations, St. Teresa of Avila teaches, to give us the strength to go to the cross. St. Mother Teresa Calcutta said that her whole life was to love, suffer, and save souls. Love, suffer, and save souls. Love, suffer, and save souls. It goes together. St. Rose of Lima says the cross is the ladder to heaven. If you read in the Office of Readings, Rose of Lima says if you really knew the value of sufferings, you would be asking for them. You don't know how almighty God actually weighs in the scales 
of his goodness and mercy, actually, the sufferings that he allows us to experience. What was his answer to the beloved son in the Garden of Gethsemane? The cross. The cross is the way to union. St. Padre Pio says, Jesus Christ is never without the cross, but the cross is never without Christ. Run to the cross, not from the cross. Mary will help you get there. Mary helps St. John get there. She'll help you get there. Stay close to Mary. Okay. Let's go through some more on faith. Okay. From scripture. Matthew chapter 17 verses 18 through 19. One person shared with me, this was one of their favorite quotes of all scripture. Then the disciples approached Jesus in private and said, why could we not drive it out? Remember the Mount of Transfiguration, he came down and they couldn't drive out the demons and Jesus drove out the demon. So the disciples approached Jesus in private and say, why could we not drive it out? Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For amen, I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, remove hence hither, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Do you believe? That's the word of God. God cannot deceive, nor can he be deceived. Nothing shall be impossible to you. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, he even goes on in a parallel gospel, Mark's gospel, 11, verse 22 through 24, talking about the mustard seed, well, talking about moving the mountain through faith. And he, said, he goes on to add, all that you ask for in prayer, believe that you will receive it and it shall be yours. Ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. According to God's will, right? According to God's will. You don't want anything other than his will. St. Mark, chapter 5, 34 through 36. This is actually where he did two healings. Tonight, we're going to have a healing service. Have faith. Have faith. You're going to come before the Eucharistic Lord, the same Lord who did all these healings. Have faith. He's going to heal you the way that he wants to heal you. Sometimes a healing deep with within in your soul, maybe being able to forgive somebody or overcoming some resentment might be a better healing than getting rid of that backache. But whatever God wills. So he healed the woman who was hemorrhaging for all those years. She went to all the doctors, lost everything. No one could heal her but she touched the tassel of this cloak, felt the power come out. And he said, daughter, your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be cured of your affliction. And then there was the synagogue officials, little daughter, 
12-year-old girl. So, you know, remember the woman hemorrhaging for 12 years and then the little girl's 12 years old. 12 is significant, right? The 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 apostles, the new Israel, right? So the little girl, he goes there. And while he was still speaking, people from the synagogue official's house arrived and said, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any longer? Disregarding the message that was reported, Jesus said to the synagogue official, do not be afraid, just have faith. Or another translation is, fear is useless. What is needed is faith. Fear is useless. What is needed is faith. Fear is Just have, okay, fear paralyzes. There's a natural fear. If you, if you walk outside and there's a pack of wolves, that's a rational fear to get away from the pack of wolves, right? But we have so many irrational fears. Let's live in the present, trusting God, covering ourselves with the precious blood of Jesus and the mantle of Our Lady, all the sacramentals, holy water, so forth, so on. But in the end, God's in control. Whatever happens, God either wills or permits, and everything he wills or permits is for his glory and our good. Okay? So, here's one that I find extremely powerful. So many. Actually, if you do a, a, a search for faith in a concordance, you'll find so many quotes on faith, right? St. Matthew chapter 14, verse 24 through 33. A little bit lengthier, but you all know the account. Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles offshore, remembering this was after he did the multiplication of the loaves and the fish that prefigured the Eucharist, right? Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came towards them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. At once, Jesus spoke to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. I'll get to the better translation momentarily. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat did him homage, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Did Jesus say to St. Peter, the first Holy Father, well, that was really good, Peter. You walked on the water for about 10 seconds. Did he say that? When he loves you, He's going to take you to deeper faith. Amen? So in your life, 
you know, I'm sure all of you have done some pretty wonderful things. You're here, you're giving up a Saturday. And I mean, it's a packed day. You know, sometimes people think of retreats as, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go and catch up on my rest. I'll listen to a few conferences, spend time doing this, that, the other thing. And, you know, we have a, a, a very full day. All this will unpack, unfold in your life over years. Okay. But remember, even if you've walked on the water 10 seconds or 15 seconds, keep your eye on Jesus. Bottom line, Hebrews 12, 2, keep your eye on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2, keep your eye on Jesus, the inspirer and perfecter of our faith. Jesus took the cross, heedless of the shame, because of the glory that lie ahead. Wow. Keep your eye on Jesus, not yourself. Especially in the middle of the storms. You'll feel the storms. When there's a storm outside and you walk out there, you feel it hit you, right? Even if you have an umbrella, you feel it. When I was in the Philippines, I felt it. But the key is not to let it inside. St. Padre Pio said the enemy, the way he works is when he, when he starts with certain temptations or, you know, with people more mature in the spiritual life like you, you know, he'll let the, the, the wind rustle the leaves and the trees. Like here in Nebraska, right? You know that sound? You, you hear the sound, but that doesn't mean he's inside. Keep your eyes on Jesus and listen to his word, right? So here's part of his word. Well, I'll unpack some of this for you. During the fourth watch of the night, in the, in the time of Jesus, a first century Jew, who's the God-man, okay, but came to us in the fullness of time and born into a, a land, into a, into a people, into a, a culture, into a country, God works in real situations in life. He entered into our history. Remember, history is his story. All history is his story. The story of Jesus at the center. Mary understood this perfectly. There were four watches in the day and four watches in the night. Twelve hours divided by four. Groups of three hours at a time. So the first watch in the day would have been from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. The second, it wouldn't have been a watch. It would have been, you know, the, the, the first hours. 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., the 9 a.m. to 12, noon, then noon to 3, the hour of mercy, and then 3 to 6. But the watches of the night were 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., Nine to midnight, midnight to three, three to six a.m. So in the fourth watch of the night, between three a.m. and six a.m., he comes walking on the water. Remember, he went up to pray. Why did he come in the fourth watch of the night? These are the kind of things when you're doing Lexio Divina, you want to pray on it and reflect on that. Why? Well, here's one insight. Remember, the word is infinite, but here's one insight. 
He let them try to get across the waters, and the waters represent the world many times. The waters of the world. We're in the bark of Peter. Remember this conference. We have the bark of Peter coming between the pillars of the Eucharist and Our Lady. The bark of Peter goes across the waters of this world directed by the star of the sea to come to a safe place. Mary, the star of the sea, right? But the waters can represent the people, the world. And so Jesus allowed his disciples, some of whom were fishermen, thinking they could do it. He let them try it on their own efforts. So I suspect in the first watch, you know, well, we're fishermen. You know, we've seen this. You know, let's just, we can row harder and we got this. Second watch. Hmm. Still hard, but, you know. Now, I'm sure like Matthew, who was a tax collector, not a fisherman, is like, do you guys really know what's going on? <laughs> but, but nonetheless, okay, we're in this together, right? Good, we're in it together. Third watch, you're pretty much like, I'm realizing I might die. <laughs> I can't do this on my own, but we're going to keep trying. So Jesus comes in the fourth watch. When you're finally to your nothingness, that's when he really comes. You understand? That's part of the meditation. That's why did he wait? He loves us. Why did he wait? To show us. That's what he'll do in your spiritual life. So that's pretty important. He comes on the fourth watch of the night, right? And he comes walking on the water. They're afraid when they see him thinking as a ghost. Now, the best, better translation is, this is very important. Take heart, I am, do not be afraid. Those three aspects are powerful. Please remember this forever. Take heart or have courage. Take heart, I am, that's the sacred name of God, I am who am, right? In the context here, it's more proper to say I am. Jesus saying, I am. That's the God that we worship. I am. He has it in control. I am who am. Do not be afraid. And the reason I can say is the I am is a better translation than it is I it's because later when he comes in the boat, here this translation says he, they did him homage, but actually the Greek indicates that they worshiped him. They prostrated themselves and worshiped. And you only would prostrate and worship God. And so there's a proof for the divinity of Christ in the Gospel of Matthew. Some people will say, oh, well, only St. John's Gospel is really the one talking about I am, I am, I am. Jesus talking about his divinity. No, all the Gospels right here, the walking on the water, if you understand what's going on. Jesus is God. Okay? But you need to know a little bit of, of a reason to, to be able to show people Jesus is God. Jesus did not say don't bow down and worship me. He didn't say that. 
Same thing with St. John's Gospel, chapter six, when people left him after he talked about, you must eat my body and drink my blood or you have no life in you. When they left and most left, he didn't chase after them and say, oh, I was just speaking metaphorically. He said, you know, he turned to Peter and said, will you leave me too? And Peter gave that great reply. Lord, you have the words of eternal life. Where shall we go? I know I've, I've been there in my journey. I hope you've been there in your journey. Where God brings you to a place where you have, you have freedom, but you know you can't go back. You, you can't go back. I hope all of this is the case with all of you. You, you can't go back. Why would you go back to what scripture, St. Peter even calls your own vomit. Why would you go back to the vomit of the world when you really know Jesus Christ? It's all is nothing. But yet going forward means more death myself, more suffering, the cross. You know, when Jesus says, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, that, that's radical. That's discipleship. In fact, there's, there's the, the gospel where he says, if you do not hate father and mother, or if you, you do not love me more than father and mother, however you want to look at it, but you, know, you cannot be my disciple. That's radical, especially the Jews. You know, the first commandment in relationship to other people was the fourth commandment. It is of the Ten Commandments. The first three are regarding God. The, the next seven are regarding neighbor, right? The first commandment regarding other people is honor your father and mother. And now Jesus is saying, you know, you must, you must honor me more than your father and mother. Yes. But it's even more radical when he says... He who does not pick up his cross cannot be my disciple. Now, we're used to the symbol of the cross. I wear one, a Benedictine cross. We have crosses in our crucifixes, in our churches. But when Jesus said this, they didn't know that he was going to be crucified yet. He had been kind of talking about the suffering he would undergo. But crucifixion was known as the most agonizing, shameful way of being executed. Criminals were executed that way. It would be the same as if Jesus said today to you, pick up your electric chair and follow me. You would be like, what, Lord? I love you. I really do love you. He says, well... Go where I'm going. That's radical. But that's the only way to freedom. So I hope you've been at that place where, you know, you know you must follow him. He has the words of, he, of life, spirit and life. You can't go back. You know what you know because you know what you know, you know? That's where you got to get. That's really where you got to get. It's got to be in you so deeply where you know what you know because you know what you know. You know Jesus Christ is Lord and you're going to die a Catholic no matter what. No matter what.
And remember, you can fall out of the boat to the left or the right. Don't fall out of the boat. Stay in the boat. I know the storm is tough. And I know the storm is tough. I'll just leave it at that. Stay in the boat. The church is our mother. And without Peter, there's no church. And in the end, the church will prevail. I'll share with you a quote from St. Catherine of Siena in the dialogues about the purification that the church has to undergo tomorrow. But God's working and he loves his bride, the church. See, the church is his bride. And as I said already, that sacred scripture ends with a wedding feast. The bridegroom in the time of Jesus would, you know, there was the betrothal and then the bridegroom would go off and prepare the house for the bride. And usually he'd go to his, his father's land and prepare the house. And that's what Jesus did, right? And he's, he's, he said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He died so that he could have a bride who's holy, spotless, immaculate, without stain or wrinkle or anything of that kind. That's what scripture says, right? And it ends with a wedding feast. But before we get there, we have, we have to follow Jesus. We get to follow Jesus as disciples. If you read the book of Revelation, there are some tribulations that have to happen. Unfortunately, even great apostasy and people falling away and people being confused. But the good news is the Jews come back to the true faith and the gospel gets preached to the ends of the earth. Unfortunately, there's also the going to be the Antichrist, which means there's probably going to be the anti-gospel and the anti-church. And we get all caught up in that stuff. Be ready. But remember, it ends up, it ends in a wedding feast, okay? Faith. But now let me summarize it all. Here's where we are right now. Jesus won a beautiful bride, the Catholic Church and her members, and there's going to be a wedding feast. But where are we right now? Well, it's sort of like, the bride just woke up or is waking up, hopefully. And um, she still needs to brush her teeth and do her hair and all those things that you do for a beautiful wedding. So the bride's just not ready yet. <laughs> you get it? Now, it's amazing when the bride comes in, you know, you know if you ever attended a, a beautiful wedding, you know, they, they start to play the music and everybody knows it's the time the bride's going to process in and everybody knows what she looks like. But don't we all just turn and just go, wow, that's her. She's going to she's so beautiful, but she just woke up. Now, she needs a lot of bridesmaids and even some help from some other people to kind of, you know, get her ready. That's where we're at. OK, keep your focus. Faith. Jesus says, when I return, will there be faith? Don't be like the foolish virgins and fall asleep. You have to have the lamps burning brightly, which means enough oil. Oil is, is the charity. That's charity. Charity keeps the light of faith burning brightly. That's the light. The light is the faith. The charity is the oil. How are you going to have enough oil? 
every time you pray, every time you receive sacraments, every time you do good deeds to others, every time you're living the gospel, you're filling up your oil reserves. But otherwise, you're using them up and your faith, you know, might run out. Okay? Hopefully not. It's always in you because you've been baptized, the seeds of it, but, you know, to burn brightly. Uh, so, Keep your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 11, 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, which means it's impossible to please God. For anyone who approaches God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. But it's not enough just to believe he exists. Remember, the word pisteo in Greek means to believe and to put it into action. Earlier in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39, we hear, we are not among those who draw back and perish, but among those who have faith and will possess life. Colossians 1, 23, you can remember this. We might not be so good at memorizing Scripture verses, but Colossians 1, 2, 3, okay? Hey, we got that one. Colossians 1, 23. You must hold fast to faith. Be firmly grounded and steadfast in it. Unshaken in the hope promised you by the gospel you have heard. The theological virtue of hope is something that's very necessary. Where is your hope? I hope it's in union with God. That's what Jesus promises that's available to you. Hope is the theological virtue by which we desire heaven above all things, relying on the promises of Christ and the help of the Holy Spirit. In that definition, it does not say anything about self-reliance. I rely on the promises of Christ. If you go through scripture, there's probably about God, let's say God making these promises. There may be up to 2,500 promises that were made, all amazing. About 2,000 have been fulfilled, many more to be fulfilled. For example, the return of Christ, his second coming, right? I hope you're longing for him to come. I sure am. Come, Lord Jesus. So another aspect of faith, what's related to faith is peace. Okay. John chapter 14, 27 through 29. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. You heard me tell you I am going away and I will come back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now that means in relationship to his sacred humanity, he's equal with the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father, right? But he's speaking in relationships to his sacred humanity. I like this one, though. John chapter 15, 18 through 21. Actually, all scripture I love, but, you know, the Last Supper discourse is so powerful. The Last Supper, okay, 
Jesus made it clear. If the world hates you, realize it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, the world would love its own. But because you do not belong to the world and I have chosen you out of the world, the world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you. No slave is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. And they will do all these things to you on account of my name because they do not know the one who sent me. There's a summary of where we are and what we're going to be facing, my brothers and sisters. Amen. Did you get it? Did you hear that? Are you going to try to be friends with the world, that false irenicism? Can't serve two masters, right? Now, when I was in the, the Filipinos, you know, have a, a wonderful sense of humor. I love them so much. I spent many years over there with, with, as a rector for the future priest in Asia. We had some from Vietnam and Papua New Guinea and Thailand, Philippines. But there was a great sense of humor. And so they, they used to say, we want to be martyred with companions, not martyred by companions. You don't want to be known as martyred by companions, okay? So simply put, if you're ungodly and they kill you, don't think that that's heroic. You got the point. I could put it in other terms. So we, we don't want to just go make people hate us. We want to keep doing good to them. But the bottom line is they speak a different language. They it's like we are, you know, one definition of holiness is otherworldliness, otherworldliness. It's like we're speaking a different language than them. And we are otherworldliness. Some of the saints say, don't be a worldling. Don't be a worldling. You understand? John 16, two through four, they will expel you from the synagogues. In fact, the hour is coming when everyone who kills you will think he is offering worship to God. They will do this because they have not known either the father or me. I have told you this so that when the hour, when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you. Are you ready? You getting the message? Back to the very first point though, the victory that conquers the world is our faith. Amen? Because in John 6, 16, 11, Jesus says, the ruler of this world has been condemned. It's done. The victory is assured. It's nice playing in a game where the victory is assured, right? I mean, I'm not going to say anything to you Husker fans, but... <laughs> I know, see? But we're not of this world, so we really don't care. <laughs> it's just entertainment. And we pray for the young men playing the sport, that they learn sportsmanship and all the lessons that God wants to teach them about teamwork and filling a role and 
you know, knowing that everybody has a role and a team is supposed to move as a team and everybody has different gifts and so many things, life lessons. Hopefully the coaches teach them how to really succeed in, 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 in God's will for them. First of all, bring to their attention God's will and uh, give them the ability to, to fulfill God's will because uh, most are not going to go to the... Ne- National Football League, and even if they go to the National Football League, those who have played in the National Football League will tell you that NFL, NFL stands for not for long. (laughs) They get injured. It's a brutal game. So they need to learn life skills. So remember, Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus came into the world as light, so everyone who believes in him might not remain in darkness. And so Jesus appeared to St. Thomas in the resurrection, John chapter 20, verses 27. And he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and bring your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Very interesting that St. Thomas, you know, made that great profession of faith, my Lord and my God. Jesus God. And when he did it, when he touched the wounds of the sacred humanity of Christ. You, my brothers and sisters, are going to be touching the wounds of Christ in your brothers and sisters in this world. It's hard. But when you touch those wounds, may you be able to say, I'm serving you, my Lord. Get it? Thomas didn't just say, well, I want to see him look like he did before he went to the cross. Thomas didn't say, I want to see him what he looks like with a glorified body. Like you guys, like, like Peter, James, and John saw on Mount Tabor. He says, I want to see the wounds. And when you touch those wounds... The 13th station of the cross, Mary holding the broken body of Christ. That broken body is us, the world, the church right now. You see what sin does. But Mary, our our mother, as a mother, still loves Jesus. And she knows it's going to lead to the resurrection. So, it's all good news. We are to believe, pisteo, to know and to put into practice. Let's end with a quote from St. James and then St. Peter. Well, I love them all so much. I have to first go to Paul. Okay, 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 5. Finally, brothers, pray for us so that the word of the Lord may speed forward and be glorified as it did among you, and that we may be delivered from perverse and wicked people, for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. We are confident of you in the Lord 
that what we instruct you, you are doing and will continue to do. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the endurance of Christ. So there are perverse and wicked people that don't have faith. We talked about that, right? But we, 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 we do self-discipline, penance, prayer. Hopefully they get converted, right? First, we must be converted, right? St. James, two, chapter 2, verse 26. For just as a body without a spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. For faith to grow, it must be put into practice, right? St. Peter, the first Holy Father. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. So, faith is the victory that conquers the world. Love will heal everything. We need to remain in Christ. And then I'll use some words from Padre Pio. Pray, hope, don't worry. <laughs> he is a good Franciscan, huh? Love suffered and saved souls, huh? God's the one who saves souls, though, but he, he uses us. And so I'll end with uh, another quote from Padre Pio. They're both, really, it's actually two, but they're really one. Padre Pio said, love our lady. Make others love her. Always say your rosary and say it well. Satan always tries to destroy this prayer, but he will never succeed. It is the prayer of her who triumphs over everything and everyone. That's a quote from St. Padre Pio. And two days before he died, he repeated, love our lady and make her loved. Recite the rosary and recite it always and recite it as much as you can. Because as I addressed earlier in this conference, when you pray the scriptures, which is basically what you're doing, the first 18 mysteries are directly from scriptures, and the last two are the promises fulfilled of those who live the scriptures, Mary's assumption, body and soul into heaven, and being crowned queen of heaven and earth, right? When you pray the word, it becomes a part of your life, and you must keep the joys, the lights, the sorrows, and the glories of life connected. And remember, it's our weapon and our net. All is going to be well. It ends with a wedding feast. The bride will eventually be very beautiful. But we need to do our part. And so, faith, hope, charity. These are the important aspects of Fatima as well, according to Sister Lucia. And so let's show God that we're truly his children 
by gratitude and surrender. Amen. The Lord be with you. It's the intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.